Hey, hey, welcome to Hooked on Crime Pod, the podcast where we talk about hooks and crooks. It is Halloween week, and this is the second part of the Jeremy Brian Jones uh, story. So if you haven't listened to the first part, go check that out and then come back here for the second part because otherwise it's not going to make a lick of sense. So let's get into the second part. Um, Now, after... Jeremy had showed all these red flags to his friend that he had been staying at, you know, um, he took off before the friend went to the cops. Um, so he was in the wind, um, and authorities just all around the area started searching for, you know, John Paul Chapman, which was his alias, like crazy, but they got a huge surprise when a few days later, Chapman actually called the police station and was put through to the lead investigator's cell phone. The detective did his best to keep Chapman, a.k.a. Jones, on the line so that his location could be traced, and it worked. John Paul Chapman, the guy authorities suspected for the murder and rape of Lisa Marie Nichols, was found outside the bus depot in his car. He was taken in, and a routine teletype was sent out nationwide to see if John Paul Chapman was wanted in any other states. His prints were run through the FBI fingerprint database APHIS, which identified him as John Paul Chapman instead of Jeremy Brian Jones. For some reason, Jeremy Brian Jones was not in the APHIS system, which he should have been as he was a sex offender in Oklahoma, which is, you know, kind of a big deal. Um, So, luckily, some people at the Missouri prison uh, that was housing the real John Paul Chapman, they flagged the teletype, and they called Mobile Law Enforcement and sent them a mugshot of their John Paul Chapman, you know, the real one, and fingerprints to, you know, match up who they had. Uh, So, now the cops in Mobile wondered who the hell they had in custody. But this guy must have forgotten all of the calls in the jail are monitored. And he called his mama out in Miami, Oklahoma. And yeah, so there was a call made to the Miami police and they said, oh yeah, we know Jean Beard. Uh, She has a son who flew the coop on some outstanding warrants out here and sent out his rap sheet. Uh, the rap sheet for Jeremy Brian Jones and his prints and his mugshot and Mobile PD checked it against who they had in their lockup and come to find out of course it's Jeremy Brian Jones not John Paul Chapman like they thought and then you know another thing is is not only had he called his mama and called her from the jail another stupid way he had called someone was he called Vicki Freeman his old girlfriend from Georgia that, you know, and he told her, he said, Hey, I found a good job in Mobile. And she said, okay, baby, find a place for us to live. And I'll move out there. Cause this gal still had it really bad for Jeremy Bryant Jones, even though she only knew him as John Paul Chapman. And the thing that was super ethically stupid about this guy is, uh, he had called Vicky on Lisa Nichols cell phone. Yeah, he called her from Lisa's phone. Um, but poor Vicky, she had had a hard thing going when it came to who she knew as John. 
She had called the cops about, you know, physical and sexual abuse he put her through. But she dropped the charges every time because he was always sorry. And she loved him flaws and all. She was a victim of the abuse he gave her. And she would say that he was the love of her life, the love you only find once in a lifetime. And she had vowed to marry him even after he had been convicted for all he had done. She had a very stand-by-your-man mentality and would go on to deny that abuse occurred to the media. But her friends and family confirmed that he had hurt her. And I have my doubts that a monster like Jones could ever love anyone and then he only saw the lovely older woman as another mama that was more than willing to take care of him and pay for him and love him. And he took advantage of Vicky's love and heart. So, law enforcement from Alabama, Missouri, Arizona, Georgia, Oklahoma, and Kansas start combing through their unsolved cases to see if they can find anything similar to the murder of Lisa Nichols. And that's just because these are places he had been and they had this hunch that this wasn't Jones's first rodeo. Uh, but because Jeremy Jones had started talking and he couldn't stop, he quickly confessed to the murder of 16-year-old Amanda Greenwell. Um, but he recounted just as fast. Vicki Freeman, his girlfriend, had accidentally confirmed evidence to him having being involved when she told police the day Amanda went missing, John, as she knew him, came home covered in mud and scratches. Police found a storage locker that Jones rented and found some pretty messed up shit in there. A huge knife collection, uh, pictures of him posing with the knives. One matched the weapon believed to have been used to murder Amanda Greenwell and Tana Mayberry. They also found photographs of women with long dark hair the pictures were circulated nationwide and put online and a relative of jones called and identified herself as one of the gals in, a, in the picture you know in one of the pictures and confirmed that jeremy had taken it and eventually all but one woman came forward to be identified and identify themselves and police found mardi gras beads and these became evidence that tied him to the murder of a sex worker in New Orleans. And a custom ring was found that identify, was identified by Amanda Greenwell's boyfriend, thus tying Jones to her murder even tighter. Georgia officials charged him with Amanda Greenwell's murder. And when he confessed to killing Tina Mayberry that Halloween night, he didn't realize that police had found a knife of his that was similar to the murder weapon that had been used so i mean hell he hung out at the bar that she was murdered at in the months around the time she was murdered uh she was even his type but since there was no physical evidence to securely tie him to the case i mean you can you sell 1500 of the same knife it doesn't mean just because that knife type is a match that it's the same murder or murder weapon because they couldn't find any DNA tying her to that knife, right? So they couldn't find any physical evidence that securely tied him to this case, and so he couldn't be charged with it. But he does remain a person of interest to this day. You know, he confessed to many murders over the next few months, but he claimed to have killed... I mean, he claimed to have killed a couple in... um. Delaware County, Oklahoma in 1996, 
Um, Oklahoma authorities looked at him intensely for this because after killing the couple, the murderer set up their trail or set their trailer on fire. But just like Tina Mayberry, they had Jones's word, but a lack of physical evidence. He claimed to have killed a man from Pitcher, Oklahoma, but the death had been ruled a suicide by overdose. So authorities refused to reopen the case. Jones said his first murder was in 1992 when he was 18 he said he stabbed a 20-year-old newlywed just days after her wedding. And she had said to friends and family that she thought she had been being watched in the time leading up to her murder. She had not been sexually assaulted, but she fought like hell. Nothing connects him to the crime, though. You know, um, just like the, he, they've got his word, but they don't have the physical evidence. Jones confessed to shooting a couple in Commerce, Oklahoma in 97, they were found in a truck bed that was parked in a shed, but even though before this couple were killed, Jones has worked, had worked as a police informant and had purchased drugs from the guy that was shot, you know, that's the only tie police could find, and that case went no further either. Um, let's go ahead and take a break real quick for ads, and we'll be right back. Hey guys, our spotlight artist for October and November is Tanya Corbet. She is an amigurumi artist that when I say artist, I actually mean the thing she makes looks like art. They are fantastic. She has a horror cat collection that is amazing. And she has a pattern for a sandworm that is four feet long. And that blows my mind. So I think y'all should check her out. Um, go to Etsy and search for Tan Flow Con Crochet, which T-A-N-F-L-O-W-C-O-N Crochet. Ravelry.com slash designers slash T-A-N-Y-C-O-R-B-E-I-L. And Facebook.com slash F-L-O-W-C-O-N Crochet. Hope you guys have a great day and check out our crochet artist because she's awesome. Hey guys. So we have talked about how picky I am with my hair before. And if you've listened to my ads, you know that Allison Crawford had done my hair for a long time. Well, sadly, Miss Allie moved on. Um, she is no longer cutting hair, but she did put me in touch with someone who made me feel so wonderful. And I still like my self-esteem is negative 20 on good days. But when I look in the mirror now, I still might. Ooh, I look pretty cute. Um, and my daughter, Crime Kid, and I both cried when we got our hair done um, by her. It's just she's wonderful. Look for Cara Danielle at The Foilery, which is it. 217 West Center Street in Holly Springs, North Carolina. You can go on Instagram at C-A-R-A underscore D-A-N-I-E-L-E underscore H-A-I-R. And you can get a hold of her at 919-602-8962. And I 100 out of 10 recommend. So please give her a call today and go get your hair done and you can feel beautiful too. Hey, if you guys are looking for a cute Etsy store to order things from, uh, I highly recommend designs by 
SMC Studio. Uh, go to etsy.com slash shop slash designs by SMC Studio. And uh, yeah, I got the cutest earrings and shipping was fast, fantastically made product, um, very affordable prices. And Stephanie, who runs the shop, is a wonderful gal. She is a friend. Um, and honestly, like, I hope she does so well and just kicks butt with her side hustle of her Etsy shop. I am super proud of her for going out and doing this. Uh, congrats, Steph. Keep going. And seriously, guys, check out her shop. It's great. Okay, so police from Louisiana called and they were looking in, you know, they're looking to solve some unsolved murders that eventually would be found to be the work of Derek Todd Lee, the truck stop killer. Um, he murdered sex workers like all over but jeremy had claimed to have killed a sex worker in new orleans um he said that he had met this was february 04 um before nichols or lisa marie nichols was murdered so jeremy you know said he had met 76 year old Catherine collins in the french quarter they went back to her place but she got nervous and she ran Jones said he chased her down and beat her with a tire iron and the butt of his knife, knocking out a bunch of her teeth before he stabbed her in the eye and strangled her to death. He then mutilated her genitals. The police hadn't released the horrific details of her murder other than she was stabbed and beaten to the media. He passed six polygraph tests because about the murder of Catherine Collins because New Orleans PD had doubts since he was confessing to so many things and there was no physical evidence tying him to it. Now, New Orleans was a seven-hour drive from where he lived in Georgia, so of course police were kind of skeptical when it came, you know, and when Jones, when it came to it and when Jones recanted because, you know, of course he did. He's a freaking dumbass. Um, you know, this pushed them to do a little more digging and they found a witness who ID'd not only Jones, but his vehicle in that time frame that Catherine Collins was murdered. And they found a traffic ticket that Jones's alias John Chapman had gotten. And they had had those Mardi Gras beads that were found in the storage locker. So New Orleans PD charged him with the rape and murder of Catherine Collins. Uh, Jones confessed to the murder of beloved beautician Patrice Andres, saying that he stopped at her salon to ask for directions and snatched her up. Uh, he said he raped her and strangled her and dumped her in a creek that went into the Chattahoochee River. Um, but after wasting time and resources, police didn't find any trace of Patrice where Jones claims to have put her. Jones confessed to murdering sex workers in Atlanta and Mobile. He named bridges and rivers and lakes where he dumped these women, but authorities didn't have any names and nothing to go on except that the victims had been beaten with a tire iron and without names, they couldn't tie him to these. He also claimed to be the one who had abducted Ashley Freeman and Laura Bible and murdered Danny and Kathy Freeman, Ashley's parents. So what happened with that is on December 30th, 1999 in Welsh, Oklahoma, 
a fire was started in the Freeman's home with firefighters finding the parents' bodies who had been shot and to death, but Ashley and Laura were gone without a trace. In June of 2018, a man named Ronnie Busick was charged, and it's suspected that him and two buddies, Warren Welch and David Pennington, they murdered Danny and Kathy Freeman and kidnapped Ashley and Laura Pennington. Pennington and Welsh had died, but a woman who had lived with Welsh came forward and said that she had found photos of the girls who were tied up and gagged, and they looked real thin and sickly. Police believe the three guys held the girls captive while they raped and tortured them, and supposedly threw them into a pit in Pitcher, Oklahoma, but by the time this gal came forward, those photos, which would have been a fantastic piece of evidence, were long gone. Now, Jeremy's story is Jeremy said he murdered the Freemans for a friend over a drug debt and the girls came running out after he had set the fire and he said he kidnapped them, raped them and murdered them and discarded their bodies in a Kansas mine shaft and countless man hours were wasted exploring his claims and, you know, once Welch's girlfriend had eventually come forward you know, a bunch of ex-girlfriends and acquaintances and old friends of theirs had come forward as well. And they backed up what she said with over a dozen people having stayed silent over the years about what they knew and what the three men had said they had done. These people had been threatened and were terrified, so they hadn't felt safe enough to say anything. Busick has, you know, he had held up the court proceedings with his failing health and his defense lawyers asking for a full mental evaluation but finally in 2020 he pled guilty to the first degree murder of Danny and Kathy Freeman torching their home and the abduction of the girls and their presumed murders he was sentenced to 15 years with 10 to be spent in lockup sadly the girls bodies have never been recovered and in October of this year in 2021 um just a couple weeks ago, a search was conducted in the root cellar of a home that David Pennington once he uh, once lived in, and he's one of the deceased suspects. And heartbreakingly, it was just another dead end. And so the search for the girls' remains continues. And I hope that one day the families can find the girls and give them a proper burial. And I hope that the families can find some sort of peace. Um. But back to Jeremy Jones in 04, you know, Jeremy Jones would have been considered a viable suspect, you know, with what he said, although he was lying through his teeth. Jones confessed to the murders of many nameless sex workers and 13, you know, people that he named that had unsolved cases. In April 05, Lisa Nichols' daughters petitioned the attorney general in Alabama to take over their mama's case because they were tired of waiting. You know, they wanted that criminal trial to start. So the attorney general, um, Troy King, he took the case, but it was viewed as a publicity gram for his election. You know, he wanted to get reelected. Um, also around this time, Jones was charged with possession of a firearm as a felon to block extradition to Louisiana or Georgia for those other murder cases he was charged with 
before he could go to trial for the rape and murder of Lisa Nichols. So we get to Habib Yazdi. Um, he is Jones's defense attorney and he filed a motion to stop authorities in other states from coming to question Jones without his presence. Um, but the motion was ignored and Jones had the right to say what he wanted, even without his lawyer there. Uh, the drug Risperdal, Risperdal, I don't recall, um, was given to Jones while he was in jail. It's an antipsychotic, but like Alabama authorities pointed out, he confessed to murdering Lisa Nichols multiple times before he had started taking the medicine. So he had blamed this drug for making him confess, but obviously he had confessed before. Um, so Jones said he had lied about all the confessions, um, that he, he was innocent. He wasn't involved in shit. Uh, he just wanted to get more visitation and phone time and special food. And basically he was bored and decided to talk and ruin people's time for special privileges. And Jones whined that all unsolved murders were being pinned on him and said, quote, I ain't no Ted Bundy. But honestly, his big mouth was what led to, you know, all of this, not a pill and not people just saying he did all these things, just him. And at this point, he, you know, had recanted for everything. But then he just continued to whine and complain. But honestly, he was about to pay for what he done. In May of 05, it saw Jeremy Jones be indicted for the rape, torture and murder of Lisa Nichols. And at this hearing, he heard his attorney ask for a psyche valve. And Jeremy started screaming, I ain't crazy. And he started acting a fool. Um, Habib Yazdi actually held his hand over Jones's mouth to try to just get him to shut the fuck up. Um, that is some shit you'd see in movies. Like he actually put his hand physically over this man's mouth to get him to shut up. So August 05, the prosecution receives a blow when a person who had been with Jones at the time Lisa was murdered passed away. Um, before his passing, he had told investigators he knew Jones had stolen a 25 caliber pistol and he had told him to put it back. And later it was discovered by Lisa's family that her pistol was missing. And it's very likely that Lisa Nichols had been murdered with her own pistol, but the gun was never recovered. And now the prosecution didn't have this witness to tell a story in court, but neighbors had seen his car in front of Lisa's trailer and could attest to how weird Jones had been acting around the time of the murder and that Jeremy, you know, he just had the gift of not shutting up like, and he confessed a bunch of times and, you know, so all that still saved their case. In October 05, the trial took place in the Mobile County Courthouse, despite the defense requesting the change of venue due to publicity, and the judge seemed to relish in telling Mr. Yazdi the publicity was due to his client not being able to keep his yap shut, and at this point, Jones was, you know, he was known nationwide, so it wouldn't have made a difference. They could have moved it anywhere, and somebody would have known who was, you know, who he was. Jeremy Brian Jones took the stand in his own defense and blamed the deceased witness for Lisa's murder. He said that Lisa had the hots for him and the witness was jealous. Um, Jones was then asked 
why a lady like Lisa Nichols would want a drug-addicted layabout loser like himself, and Jones replied and said he thought he was very good-looking, which made the spectators in court crack up. His mama and stepdaddy came from Miami, Oklahoma, and his long-suffering girlfriend, Vicki Freeman, um, they were, she had come out, and she was, they were all there every day in the, for the trial, with his mama telling media that her son didn't kill Lisa Nichols and that he is a good boy. Jeremy Jones was found guilty and sentenced to death on October 26, 2005, and he was taken to Holman Prison, which houses death row inmates. Now, Jones was pissed, and when he found out he couldn't give interviews to media personnel anymore, per Alabama state law, uh, he still continued to try and sneak around with his phone privileges, but for the most part, the shit he spewed to everyone in 2004 stopped, and he's still on death row, and he's lost two appeals, and he hasn't been brought to trial for the other murders he was tied to. In my opinion, it kind of seems like Georgia and Louisiana may just be content to let him rot in prison and to die for the murder of Lisa Nichols because in a way it does the work for them and you know one day he'll be executed and this way he won't be able to you know restart the clock and have any more appeals that he could file to try and extend his time on this earth because he does not deserve it. Now Patrice Andres her remains were found eight miles from her salon not the hour away and um dumped in a creek like Jones had claimed and you know so some of the confessions he made lost credibility however he's still suspected to be tied to other crimes um that he confessed to though the physical evidence is lacking and his big mouth told lies and truths and sadly it leaves us with questions that can't be answered and that is the story of Jeremy Brian Jones. Um, in my opinion, he sat in prison long enough. They need to get on that. Um, hope you guys are enjoying Halloween week. Uh, thank you for hanging in for a two-parter. And we'll be back with a Halloween episode tomorrow.